It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, Bucks fans have been waiting for some kind of an announcement, and at least for now, it looks like a multi-year deal is going to be uh, the case for Adrian Griffin, and it comes on the back of some mega deals for some other coaches across the NBA. So we'll discuss that, including some names that have cropped up as potential assistant coaches for the Bucks. And we're sitting back and watching the NBA Finals, and I'm curious if there's any lessons to be learned or potential things that we can look at for this Bucks team uh, moving forward. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Most of the time, Monday to Friday, a little bit sporadic at the moment, but I'm lucky because the man sitting next to me there from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, is more than picking up some of the slack as he did yesterday. Uh, Justin, how did you go with the hosting duties? It's not your first time around the block, but it had been a little while since I called the uh, SOS for you to take over. Yeah, um, it was uh, like a, a coach, longtime assistant becoming a head coach and having to adapt to it. And thankfully, I had... Uh, Camille, who is kind of the experienced assistant, who's like, no, hey, you do this, and then we move on to this. So uh, that made it pretty easy yesterday. No, you're absolutely correct. And we did have uh, a couple of comments on the YouTube really praising the new duo. I said before I was going to take a little bit of break while I'm sort of traveling around uh, doing other work stuff that uh, it might be a nice break to some of the Locked On Bucks viewers or listeners not having me on the show for a while, and I've come back within one day. But uh, no, seriously, uh, thanks to you, Camille, and I know Frank's going to uh, pop in as well. And we'll make it happen over the next few weeks because there's going to be news for the Bucks. We thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen uh, of <laughs> every single weekday, uh, even during the offseason. And some good news today, I think, because, you know, Bucks fans were sitting back for a little bit there and wondering, okay, Monty Williams has signed his deal. Nick Nurse has signed his deal. Now we see Frank Vogel going to Phoenix. What's actually going on with Adrian Griffin, but Sham Sharania, and Eric Name just dropped some stuff here in the last hour or so, which is perfect timing for a podcast, uh, saying that it looks like a multi-year deal around $4 million per year. Uh, that falls a little bit short of uh, Monty Williams, Justin? A little bit. It, uh, I believe it falls a little bit short of Mike Budenholzer as well. 
Well, actually, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, that is going to be the case. It does look like Bud might have a year off as well. But, you know, we discussed the financial stuff when it came to the Bucks and the decision they made. I'm not saying that it had anything to do with it. But we did know when the Bucks hiring Adrian Griffin as a first-time head coach that it was probably going to be on the lighter side compared to some of the bigger names in the market. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure that was a, a small part of it, but by all accounts, with Jimmy Haslam joining the ownership group, he's been a motivated spender and willing to to dish out the money, and and that was kind of the assumption coming in too. Of Bucks knew where they were headed financially, and and they were going to need an influx of money. Um, and I mean, you could to your point of you would assume who you bring in, you may save a little money on because of multi-years that you're eating on Bud's contract. But but even doing that to say, we think this is in the best interest of the team to just kind of eat the rest of that deal and pay it out. That in itself is a commitment to spending money. No, you're absolutely right. And the other point, and we should dive into this right now, is that if you are saving money a little bit, and we say saving money like, I mean, it's still a, a decent deal. Obviously, you're, 100%. you're still paying more for a coach this year than you would have. Yeah, absolutely right. So that's not the lead of this conversation. That's not really what I want to get into. But uh, they might also be spending a little bit of more money on some experienced assistant coaches. And this maybe was the most interesting part of this report that we've just seen in the last hour. Terry Stotts, James Borrego, two names that have been mentioned as potential assistant coaches. And I think we've described or discussed this idea in the past of whether, you know, when Bud was here, would they go for a former head coach that maybe could bring some different ideas to the table. So, you know, I think if you're a Bucks fan, and I can't speak for everyone, to see those two names and someone that's been and manned the sidelines before, I love it. That's kind of what I want. If you can get a big earned name, I'm not sure if one of those two stands out to you. Yeah, um, it's funny. Camille and I talked about this yesterday and uh, had, had said you would assume whoever you tab as your lead assistant would probably number one be experienced and secondly would would bring some type of an offensive background and we had kicked around some names but there weren't a whole lot that stood out to you with offensive backgrounds I mean I think everybody would point to Mike D'Antoni um, but we did bring up James Boriego I don't remember if it was on yesterday's show or the last time Camille and I talked but it was just kind of in passing and that's uh, funny too because it was last offseason where a lot of us speculated is James Boriego going to join Bud's staff as an assistant after he was let go by the Charlotte Hornets and was out there on the market? And, you know, Bud's staff, uh, we've talked about it on this show, but I, I think one of the things that maybe doesn't get talked about enough outside of these circles is how much his staff had been picked over the last couple of years. When you look at all the guys that have moved on to other opportunities, and certainly Taylor Jenkins and uh, Darvin Ham stand out the most, but even Ben Sullivan a couple of years ago, that it was kind of an annual thing that you would lose these assistants. And that's really a credit to Bud and this group. Um, so James Boriego, I think a lot of us wondered last year if he was a possibility to join the staff. But the Terry Stotts one uh, really stood out to me just because of, number one, his history and background uh, with this franchise. Secondly, as we said, he's not only experienced as an assistant and a lead assistant, he has what more than 10 years of experience as an NBA head coach as well. And the third is offense that, you know, his, his teams were kind of so, so offensively when he took over the Hawks for what a year or two and, and the Bucks and his stops here. But when he was in Portland and he was there for nine years, 
that offense was in the top 10 and really close to top five, six of the nine years that he was there. Obviously, Damian Lillard plays a big role, but there's still some coaching to that. Absolutely. And you mentioned the nine years in Portland. His time with the Bucks back in 2005, uh, 2005, 2006, 2006, 2007 as well. Uh, they made the postseason in one of those years. And Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going off memory. I, they lost in five to the Pistons, I believe. That was a pretty yeah. damn good Pistons team. Uh, back then so yeah again you talk about the full circle moment and if you're discussing an experienced assistant coach this man's coached over 1,000 regular season games and if you include the experience obviously that Adrian Griffin has had as an assistant coach as well I, I think when we talk about the fresh minds different ideas and clearly Bud Staff had a hell of a lot of success you talk about bringing in different minds someone like Terry Stotts and, you know, Adrian Griffin, who was in Toronto under Nick Nurse. Um, again, I'm always the optimist, but I, I'm a little bit up and about. I'm a little bit excited about the idea of Terry Stotts potentially returning. I would be very excited about it. And, you know, I think the other, um, I don't know the word to describe it, but, but uh, interesting thing about it, should it happen, would be the kind of parallels of their careers that, you know, Terry Stotts was basically Adrian Griffin. 25 years ago, two decades ago, that you think about a longtime assistant and you think about year after year on George Carl's staff. He finally got the opportunity uh, here in Milwaukee, but the same conversations we've had about Adrian Griffin, about Darvin Ham here, um, were what we were having about uh, Terry Stotts in the late 90s and early 2000s before he finally got that opportunity to uh, be the head coach that he was going through interviews with other teams. And he was one of the uh, top assistants in the league and viewed that way by his peers. All right. Let us know in the YouTube comments, uh, if Terry Stotts is a name that you're excited about, uh, uh, James Borrego, but any of the names that I know it was a discussion he had yesterday a little bit as well, Justin, but I think the idea of a really experienced assistant, if you're a Bucks fan that is concerned about bringing in an untried coach, that's not necessarily me because of the experience factor, but if you are, do you feel better if you're bringing in someone like Terry Stotts on the sideline as well? So let us know in the YouTube comments how you feel about that. Uh, we're going to get to the NBA Finals and perhaps some of the things we're seeing uh, from this series coming up next. But first, we'll talk about our friends over at FanDuel. And you can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And if you get onto FanDuel Sports right now and have a look at the NBA Finals, you'll see that the uh, look the Nuggets, uh, they are heavy favorites in Game 2. At home, haven't lost at home so far in the postseason, but you get all your final uh, NBA Finals odds and uh, futures there as well. If you think someone other than Nikola Jokic might win NBA Finals MVP, you might find some value there as well. So go over to FanDuel.com uh, slash locked on for all your odds. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to 2,500 bucks. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by JJ and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every weekday. Uh, I've been teasing this a little bit, and I heard Justin mention it on yesterday's podcast, but Frank has been in my DMs. He's asking when we're going to podcast next, and I'm just trying to fit in the right time because once we get into the salary cap conversation, we know it's probably going to be a a three-and-a-half-hour podcast. Uh, So I'm just trying to find the right time there to catch up with Frank, but uh, stay tuned because I think that's the interesting one. As the coaching stuff starts to settle out, we're going to get – uh, stuck right into the player movement and potential options of the offseason. It's going to be a fascinating month uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we appreciate the support, particularly to the everydayers that tune in every day through the regular season and the offseason. We appreciate uh, that very much. Uh, was there any other names? I know you mentioned Mike D'Antoni, but just before we move on, you know, I think we're in, in the past I've discussed Quinn Snyder and I was disappointed he took the job in Atlanta. Kenny Atkinson, I, I, you know, I'm curious what, what he does. Yeah, uh, obviously being around the mix, I can't see him coming to a franchise that he was in the final three and didn't get the job. But, you know, that would be a name, obviously, that would be high on the list, if possible. That would be high. Um, but I, I agree that it's you don't typically see uh, a guy that was in the mix for that position getting beat out and then saying, hey, I'll, I'll join you. And it's, it's kind of a similar conversation we had as well, uh, Camille and I, about Charles Lee, that is, as much as, as we love Charles uh, yeah. Lee – um, it's tough to see a guy for a number of reasons. And, and a lot of that too is, is from Adrian Griffin's perspective of this guy, you know, probably already has the locker room and has that relationship with him. And I'm the guy coming in now. So that could create for an awkward situation. The only other name we had talked about, and I had kind of wondered and looked it up as we were talking, if Adrian Griffin's um, uh, time in Oklahoma city was uh, under Scott Brooks because we know he interviewed as well for the Bucks position. And that's another guy who I think history is probably going to look back on Scott Brooks a little worse than maybe it should. And, and I think in the moment, everybody was quick to dump on him for what happened in Oklahoma City. I don't really hold much against him for those teams in Washington, um, but he has experience and he's done it as an assistant and as a head coach. And that's, again, as we said, would check some of the boxes, but it's it's a similar conversation to Kenny Atkinson, although he wasn't as, as deep as, as Kenny Atkinson was. But still, uh, yeah, it's great that you're interested. We're not interested in you for that role, but would you be interested in a step down? All right, please drop any names that you can think of that we haven't touched on here, even if they're completely left of center, out of absolute darkness. Pick any name you want that we wouldn't even think of on this show. Uh, throw your random names out there. That's what we love. Uh, I've got a question for the viewers and the listeners first because I don't think I need to ask you this because I already know what you're going to say, Justin. But uh, there are parallels with what the Nuggets are doing to what the Milwaukee Bucks did going back a couple of years ago. And, and look, maybe the absolute most basic comparison is the fact that Jokic has won two MVPs. 
didn't win the third. And I'm sure Nuggets fans think it's ridiculous. I know there's Bucks fans out there that thought it was ridiculous that Giannis didn't win his third MVP. But then ultimately, you got what you really want as a fan base anyway by going and winning the title. Jokic looks like he's on the path to doing that. It's only been one game, but it would certainly be my pick. So I'm curious whether any Bucks fans are really supporting the Denver Nuggets because they want to see Jokic and the smaller market have this success. Or are you like against it? Because you're like, I don't want to take any shine away from what Giannis did. I don't think it would take any shine away, but let us know uh, how you're feeling. But this Denver team has been a little bit of a juggernaut throughout the postseason so far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, they might be cruising. But Jokic himself, is, is there anything that you look at with this Denver Nuggets team and look to the makeup of the Bucks, things that they're missing, holes, the way that the Nuggets are playing on offense right now that you would you would like to see in the Bucks, or you see that is actually transferable? Um, I mean, I, I would like to see Nikola Jokic with the Bucks playing alongside Giannis. But, um, no, I mean, I, I agree that there's a lot of parallels between what, what Denver is doing right now and what the Bucks did. And I think part of it, too, is – the biggest thing, and I, I know David Aldridge just the other day wrote a story about how Miami and Denver had kind of held firm and had bucked the trend of not firing their coaches, although it's it's kind of um, Eric Spolster is in a little different class if the disappointment you're pointing to is a couple of playoff exits a couple of years ago. Um, but Michael Malone, sure, I get. Um, I would push back and say, yeah, the Bucks fired Bud this offseason, but the Bucks stuck behind bud when when we've seen other teams make that move too and the parallels to me are that you know the bucks had a couple of years of just going up against the wall and coming up short and realizing okay we need to do this or we need to tinker with this and it just didn't work year after year until you brought in drew holiday and you made a couple of those other moves and that's kind of the same thing for the denver nuggets where you stuck with michael malone you knew last year was kind of a weird year for them with the injuries and, and and what they had available in that series against the Warriors. But their story is really similar to the Bucks, just coming up short year after year in the playoffs, having this belief that this core group is the group to get it done. And let's just keep tinkering with the margins here before you finally break through. Um, to me, the parallels are, are there, but what you can pull from this that's tougher because these are two rosters that are headed in two very different directions. And, you know, to say, Hey, it'd be great to have a score like Jamal Murray. It would be great to have another player uh, like an Aaron Gordon and what he's brought on both ends of the floor to this team. That would be great. But this Denver roster is much younger and in a better spot than the bucks are. So to me, it's tough to really say, Hey, we should do things like this. It's, it's for the bucks more of, all right, back to what we said before about these these two teams and tinkering and figuring out how do we keep this core and maximize it but find some of these guys. Bruce Brown, I think, would be what you would point to of, yeah. man, look at what Denver got him for. They're not going to be paying that much for him this upcoming year. Uh, but how can we find that Bruce Brown type? And I know Frank is going to get into this quite a bit, but I'm very curious with this new CBA if it's going to be – as negative and bad as I think a lot of us assumed it would be for teams like the Bucks, um, or if we have more time to review this. And I was actually talking with Jim Paschke yesterday and he had, he and I were talking about that CBA and man, this is kind of weird that, you know, everything is coming into play this year and not being a soft rollout. 
And as he said, yeah, I, I've talked to a few people that say, you know, that is strange. But the thing about a CBA is you never know how to navigate it until you're two or three years into it. So I do kind of think, and this was his words, we're going to see teams just continue to, to do what they did in the past. And maybe it's a year or two where it's, hey, we got to shed some money or we got to look into doing different things. And if that that is the case, long story short, um, I do wonder if there are going to be more players like Bruce Brown available because this new model is going to set things up where you can have multiple guys making the max. And then it's going to be a lot of basically veterans minimums. The taxpayer mid-level has shrunk. It's gone from roughly 7 million to 5 million. Uh, And teams are going to be incentivized to spend. You're going to be required to spend as well. You can't carry over money. So all of that you would assume is going to lead to better players getting bigger contracts. And does that in turn create a larger pool of players that ordinarily would have got the mid-level or a taxpayer mid-level and now you can possibly get them for a veteran's minimum and get their bird rights. Yeah, well, the Bucks are going to have to be uh, pretty clever with the way they maneuver the cap. Yeah, regardless, really, with all the guys they have uh, on the books. And then, yeah, obviously, Middleton and Lopez, who we're going to talk about a lot over the few weeks. Uh, just going back to your point, you're absolutely right. I think the difference overall in a story, it's more, it's more a basic comparison of a team that has had a few opportunities. But for the Nuggets, particularly when you hear them talk, uh, they felt pretty confident right after the Aaron Gordon trade, that they won those eight games, then the injuries occurred, and they, they were really just biding their time and had to be patient, understanding that you know, they weren't going to win anything without Jamal Murray. They need him playing you know, to an all-star level, which he's clearly done in the postseason so far. But Giannis and Jokic in particular, I don't think that they're actually comparable players, but there is stuff that Jokic does that I want to get into next that when we've discussed the use of Giannis... Is there a way to make the game easier? So I want to get to that next. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I should have mentioned this right off the top as well, but uh, the live show, I heard you guys did a nice uh, job of promoing this uh, yesterday, which I appreciate. I've got to do it at the start of the show uh, to make sure everyone captures it. But Wednesday, June 28, Broken Bat Brewing, a place that I haven't been to for a long time, and I'm very excited to get back there. Uh, I'll be in Milwaukee towards the back end. Well, of you the haven't been to this one. Finals are done. Well, that's true. I haven't been to this venue. Last time there was a live pod, it was a very small venue we were we were cramped in there it was a nice crowd i'm excited to see uh how many of the locked on bucks listeners viewers i uh, can get there because hey let's have a beer together let's talk about the bucks and uh tell me how silly my takes are throughout the season i'll <laughs> i'll absolutely love that all right Jokic and Giannis. so 
I'd seen Jokic play live a few times, but obviously seen him five times in the last two weeks up close. And honestly, the it, the way that I would describe what he's doing is that it, it's all just easy. Like he's just yeah. every single thing is easy for him right now. He's completely dominating games, and he's doing it in different ways. He decides when he wants to be a scorer. He decides when he wants to facilitate and get the role players involved. And that is really the, the a superstar at his absolute peak when literally everyone on the floor is getting easy stuff for them because of superstar. Now, Giannis does that at a high, high level for uh, the Bucs. And I had this conversation on one of the shows we did earlier, and I still said, I don't care what people say. I know the Bucs went out in the first round. Giannis still the best player in the world. But Jokic is right there with him right now because he is just out of this world. But I wonder, with the passing that Jokic has, with his soft touch around the basket, the way that he can operate from the middle of the floor, like that, that's where he does all his damage. When he gets to sort of that free throw line, a little bit below, because they're terrified that he's going to score, particularly right now against Miami because he's too big. And if they send two bodies at him, he's going to be able to find guys anywhere uh, in the half court. Now, Giannis, I mean, I think there wouldn't be that many people that would make the argument that Giannis is, a, is the same level passer as Jokic. Like Jokic is like historic. It's absolutely ridiculous. But we have seen the vision of Giannis enough to know that he is capable of making ridiculous passes and seeing things and doing things that hardly anyone else in the league can do. So the ability for him to dominate games from that area of the floor, I think it honestly comes down to him being able to score in that just outside the restricted area to the free throw line area. And it doesn't have to be face-up jump shots. But I just kept watching Jokic and coming back to the idea that if Giannis could get that little hook yeah. shot back a little bit, and he's gone through phases, but yeah. it just feels like that shot is the one that's going to open it all up. The hook shot or that um, the kind of the ode to Dirk Nowitzki, the one-handed or the one-legged turnaround jumper that he was he's toying with for a couple of years. But something in that spot of the floor, I agree with you, is, is where it's, it's really imperative for Giannis to really unlock everything that, that he's capable of doing. He's, he's maybe the second best passing big man in the league and and nobody yeah. is close to Nikola Jokic. Jokic is basically if you're a certain age everything you heard about Arvita Sabonis but mm-hmm. only maybe saw the Portland Trailblazers version of him. Jokic is everything you heard Arvita Sabonis was and then some before he came to the NBA. But uh, to me the things that stood out and I I think Jokic and Giannis are the two best players in the world. Uh, I'm not going to say who I think is the best, just not to upset people, but it's tough to to not give the crown to Jokic if they win the title this year with how he's playing. Nonetheless, things that stood out is, you know, Giannis and the Celtics talked about this last year as well. We've seen it game after game. He is just so unrelenting that you cannot beat him, even when he's injured and has an injury like he did against the Miami Heat in the first round here. He's still out there. He's still giving it everything he can. And that's something you can say about maybe – a handful of players you can count on one hand. So he just has this motor that doesn't stop. He's unrelenting. And that creates opportunities not only for him, but his teammates. Jokic, the thing that strikes me the more you watch him is just this calming presence that he brings, that when the ball is in his hands and it's there quite a bit, you just feel like, well, there's not going to be a turnover and the, and Denver's going to get a good shot that he just instills that confidence in his teammates, and it's unlike anything I've seen in decades. Yeah, and again, I'm going to keep coming back to this probably right throughout the offseason, but to me, 
you know, as Giannis gets towards 30 and then beyond, it's just about finding ways to try and take a little bit of the physical toll uh, off him because you know, we know he can play the way that he plays and completely dominate and be the best player in the league and an MVP candidate. Um, but it, it does just look a little bit easier from a physical standpoint for Nikola Jokic right now. And that's not to say that he doesn't go into his own version of bully ball. He doesn't have the absolutely explosive athleticism that Giannis does, so it's always going to look a little bit different. Um, we just want to look after Giannis. That's all. We want to look after those knees. We want to stop him falling fall into the floor uh, so many times uh, throughout the game as well. Protect Giannis at all costs. I think that should be the motto. So uh, let us know what you thought about uh, today's show, the assistant coaching and uh, the news with uh, Adrian Griffin uh, Adrian Griffin uh, contract coming out. Uh, and then anything you're seeing from the NBA Finals that you can tie into the Milwaukee Bucks, throw that in the YouTube comments as well. I already mentioned Frank, uh, hopefully back early in the week. I'll set up a time to catch up with him and we'll go through the cap stuff. So if you do have cap questions, by the way, uh, feel free uh, to throw them in the YouTube comments and we'll try and get to those as we roll on. Justin, back to back, you are a star. <laughs> you make it easy. All right, let's wrap it up there. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back next weekend. Uh, don't forget about the uh, live pod, Wednesday, June 28th. Uh, clear your schedule and get down to Broken Bat. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.